season. I think the NFL funder Amadou Pinnick, they have all but destroyed Nigerian football. Felt, honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Welcome everybody to the second episode of Season 2 of Sports 360 Podcast. Good to have you join us again on a day we have at least one pleasant topic to discuss on the local scene. Uh, Yemi Adesanya is right here with me and Bode returns after going a wool for one week. Uh, he's back today, um, joined, but still joining us from the United States where he's still I don't know where he he says, hibernating, <laughs> vacationing, or he has relocated. He will tell us. <laughs> we, we're not sure now. <laughs> All right. Good job, us, guys. Also, let's start with something very pleasant. The past couple of months have seen so many unsavory things happening in the Nigerian sports scene. But thankfully, in Kenya, a lot of positive things, very, very heartwarming thing to, to report. The Nigerian under-20 athletics team went to the World Championships in Kenya and came out shining like a million dollars. Um, they won four gold medals and three bronze medals. Nigeria's best performance by far at the uh, biennial championships. And um, the good thing about it was that majority of the medal winners, I think only one of them, was not homegrown. The majority of them were brought up trained here. You have to credit the coaches for that. And coming after the debacle of the Olympics, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, something that kind of renewed the hope that the talents are here. The talent is not the problem. Talent pool is not the problem. Maybe our developmental um, policies need to be brushed up. So it was good to see. And um, that's what we're discussing firstly today. We call it Nigeria's gold rush. Because they won four gold medals, they particularly they won two gold medals back to back. It was good to see. So, Yemi, the World Athletics Champions Under 20 has shown that there is indeed a talent pool. And some of those athletes, you can actually verify uh, their ages because we, we, we saw them grow up here. We saw when they started uh, the start of the tournament in Mabong, Nseoko won three gold medals. Three, four years ago, you need to see the picture. Her picture of three, four years ago, she was a skinny little lad who ran in Aquai Bomb without shoes. And that was the story then. And then she's become a war star now. So it's good to see that the talents are still being produced. Talent is being produced. Uh, talent has never been our problem. Right? Yeah. I think um, management, developing the talent, nurturing the talent continues to be our problem. And I just hope that with this success that we've, you know, just garnered, we would um, eventually, you know, see the light and potentially build on on the achievements and the success of these guys. I think it's also imperative that um, we shine a bit of a spotlight on the coaches. Yeah. Uh, the coaches that have done an excellent job grooming these guys and, you know, providing that level of coaching for them to get this level of success. I think mm -hmm. it's important that we also shine a light on them. Um, I think now is the time if anything, that the guys in the sports ministry need to now walk the talk. You know, yeah, we said there's really nothing they could do about the Olympics. One year is not enough to you know change 
years of decay, but it's a good time to institutionalize something. Hopefully, whoever comes after doesn't destroy it, but there's a way you can put it in place that it will be seamless and will help the growth of these guys. Because we want to, by 2028, see these guys, you know, in the 100 meters finals, on the world stage, or at the Olympics, you know, you know, competing in the final. That's what we want to see. Not that they'll just be a one disappear. Mm. Mm. Like, like it happens more often than not. All right, buddy. Um, like we said earlier, the talent pool is there. Do you always get the feeling that um, somewhere down the line, we tend to just celebrate particular victories and we don't build on them? Because at the end of the day, I think um, sports ministry, everybody just wants to say, oh, we've done well. The president congratulates them. We'll probably give them money and all of that and all of that. And we're so busy celebrating. We take our eye off the ball in, in terms of having a proper plan going forward. I like that. I like that question because it ties in with the, with the response I was going to give to, uh, to what, to what Yemi said. Um, you were talking about you, you, you talk about taking our eyes off the ball. Then you talking about building up on on the on the gains of this Olympics. Remember that it wasn't like this many years ago. You said it in that um, in that video you released on, on YouTube. Um, just for the Olympics, you did, when you, when you detailed the history. But if you haven't seen that video, go and look for it. Mm. Where you detailed uh, the, um, uh, our progress in the Olympics. Yeah, I went. I, I went from. Uh, securing multiple medals in various events, securing only medals in one event, mm. not securing no gold medals at all. Uh, even, in, even in that one event that we used to, especially the release, where, where we used to hold sway. The fact is that because Nigerian politics, just like Nigerian sports, build everything around personalities and administrations, not, we, don't, we don't build institutions. And until we start doing that, they're going to keep getting the same results or worse. Because like Yemi said, if we decide that, uh, if, if, if there's a department in the sports ministry that is handling stuff like this, and they have a program that they have set up, and it doesn't matter who becomes minister, becomes minister, the program is running, then you see the results we want. But because, like you just alluded to now, everybody wants to say, during my tenure, we won. When I was there, we did. And that's what they always do when they leave. But you and I, are in the, I, we are in the WhatsApp group where people defend themselves with their lives. Mm. You know, oh, when I was there with you, when I was there with you, when I was there with you, it's all about look. It's, it's back to that argument we had when the, when the matter of uh, Poland or USA came up. Yeah, it's all about me, myself, and I. Yeah, we don't think of the future, and that is why these young people that we all applauded so well at this at, at athletics, there be no program for them to ensure they continue on this career path. On this trajectory, the next person wants to because of you, you will be scared that someone will say, "Ah, are those not athletes that uh, that that suddenly that this time?" And, and you can be sure that that itself will say, "Oh, you can you can see what I did at minister. It was during my time that the, these people were you understand." So, as long as our things are tied around personalities mm. and events. And we don't build institutions. I'm going to keep getting the same results. Everybody wants to take credit for something. And so they take their eyes off the long term 
and they do things for the short term, as simple as that. And that 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 was what led us to importing artists from abroad. Mm. Oh, we want this. We take eyes, but look, when we start developing institutions, we put a program in place. A department in the sports ministry will handle it. The report the minister will be, will be happy to pass pass it on to the next person, and all will be well. I think this underlines um, what we just discussed this past few minutes. Underlines the arguments some people have put up that you don't need a ministry of sports. You need a national sports commission because that is um, the DG has a tenure or the DG or the chairman has a tenure just like central bank governor and you can, and that tenure is renewable. So you can have one person there for probably eight years and that is about good enough time to develop something solid uh, over time. But when you have only the ministry you know, you don't have developmental policies properly. So that's an argument that maybe we need to go back to the National Sports Commission model. But having said that, though, the, 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 the tendency to want to personalize uh, achievements, like, okay, during my tenure, I mean, the minister now can say during my tenure, but these guys were not developed, were not developed within the last two years. Yeah. They've been developed over the last few years. So kudos to whoever was there. It all goes down to this situation where we think of the individual and not the institutions. And we are not institutionalizing policies and plans and programs. Well, that's what um, well, that's like alluded to. But I think that um, whatever structure it is we run, whether the ministry structure or the sports commission structure, we have been there. Mm. We've been there and thereabouts on the two structures. And we are still where we are with the two structures. I think what is crucial is that sincerity of purpose. Mm. Having people who are sincere about and deliberate about developing sports as a whole. People who are ready to develop and build an institution, not claim individual glory or personal glory, personal laurels. That in itself is where the issue is. So if you have a ministry structure like what I said, if you have a department responsible for doing that, for and that department is functional, athlete development, fully funded, well funded, irrespective of the minister that comes in, it doesn't change anything. They mm. will keep working. So even if you have a commission, it will still work. But that's sincerity of purpose. Mm. Somebody's saying, look, we need to put this in place and this is how it's going to run. And it will run in respect of whether there's a seamless plan for next two, three years that nobody can disrupt. And nobody can disrupt. Then we'll get it. But you have more of people who want to play to the gallery, like the photo ops, like to make good comments in, in, in the media. That's where the problem is. You need to have people who are working and you can see the work. The work. Not yeah, just the talk. You can see the work. Mm. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, um, the- I sat here and, and I watched the Canadian women's team with the Olympic, Olympic gold yeah. women's soccer. And I remember a time when the Falcons were ahead of the Canadians and then, they were, and then the Canadians were at par with them. And I remember the, at that time um, uh, Charlotte Dibby, um, a friend who, 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 lives in, uh, who, who, who lives in Canada saying that they have a program and they, are, they, are drag, they, are, they, are, they have cast out a drag net. Uh, trying to get the best uh, the best coaches for their young women to develop them. 
they, they were looking at their neighbors, the Americans. I said they are dealing with, with women's soccer and they wanted something like that. And when Shola, when Shola told me that, that uh, gave me that information, I laughed at him. That, ah, which kind of ball I won't play? <laughs> no matter what you do, the Falcons will, the Falcons will always beat you because, because now here we are. They defeated the Americans, they defeated the Brazilians, and they are also winning the yeah, gold medal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it shows that institutions do work when you have a plan, when you have a target in mind. So it, it is not about it, it is not about uh, anything. It's about us trying to see the future and making plans to get to where we want to go. Then. Okay, let let me stay with you, buddy. Um, Udo Diwuzurike, who won the two hundred meters gold, um, is about the only one of these athletes that is foreign based. The rest of them were discovered and nurtured here, likes of Favor Ophili, uh, who also won uh, one gold and two uh, two bronze medals. And of course, the star of the event, Imabongise Oko, who won three gold medals. And you have to say that, well, let's look at the positives. For these athletes to have been developed, uh, discovered, developed and nurtured here to be world champions in their category, something, at least something, is going on right here. You know, the, the, the pro- process that discovered them, nurtured them. Because I remember, I think it was um, one of our senior colleagues, uh, Paul Bassi, who spoke about this girl about three, four years ago when she ran without shoes? That's Mabongo So, kudos to those who are involved in that development from that point to this point. It just goes, shows that something right is going on here. And like, like Yemi said, we have to, we don't know who the coaches are. They're not always in the back. They're usually in the background, but we have to credit the coaches and whichever team was behind the dances to get them to this stage. Having said that, but how do we progress this? Let's leave the ministry and all of that from a purely sporting perspective. I think a couple of them have gotten American scholarships now, so we want to assume that they'll be in good hands and going to American universities. But for the Nigerian national team to future Olympics, future because Imabong was actually at the Olympics and she was in the four by four hundred meters mixed relays that got there, uh, that had that were they were beaten. Sorry, in the first round, but she was there, so she's already an Olympian. So how do we progress this? to that next stage of, if not three years, like Amy said, maybe eight years, these, all these guys become world beaters. They just, sometimes, sometimes it is not, um, uh, because everything that we need to do is not rocket science. You can cut yeah. and paste. Yeah. A nation like Jamaica, there's a program they run. Mm. And you know, it, it is not, it is not, um, it, it is not also surprising, it is not shocking that, that we have coaches who develop, who develop players, who develop uh, athletes uh, up, up to this level. The truth is that we have a lot of these young coaches working like that. A lot of them. A lot of coaches working, pushing, uh, pushing, uh, pushing, pushing up talent. But two things happen. Somebody who has a bit of power and coach at the national level um, uh, takes over their work and they don't get credit. Or somebody at the national level who has enough power who, who wants to push some other athletes um, a trample on, on on what they have done, on, and unless unless those ones are exceptional, we never hear of them again because they are frustrated based on the experiences. Um, every nation on earth, as far as me, as, as far as me, I, me I know, a lot of nations develop develop uh, talents locally, and a lot of them end up in American universities mm. where they are further developed. The American team 
the Jamaican uh, women's soccer team that played against Nigeria um, in, in the friendly that we all saw before um, uh, uh, before the Olympics. That I think it was the Victor Ujoin. I can't remember again. But that American team, the bulk of their players, they are either schooling or playing in the, here in, in, in the United States. So that is fine. And those those um, and those athletes, we all know they are going to end up with an American scholarships. That's also fine. Mm. The point is, sometimes we, what that what 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 that happens is that we now focus, like you said, we now focus attention on those ones, and instead instead of encouraging and funding the ones that are now coming through, we take eyes off them. Mm. That's one problem. Okay. So, how do we ensure that never that doesn't happen? Again, it comes down to the ministry or that department. Secondly, how do we manage these athletes when they after they have become ex- exposed? Look, like you said, one of them ran, ran, ran uh, barefoot, barefooted a few years ago. Then she went to the Olympics. Now the the other that she will end up in the United, United States. They, they they now get exposed to places a place uh, to uh, to uh, to things. The way things work, logistics are in place, they are competing for their schools, and the, the th- things are working right. Then you invite them home, and then someone feels, ah, uh-uh, you see, not that small child has to train here. You're not demanding things. You understand? They, they forget that this child, these children, they are now grown. Yeah. We saw that with some of the athletes that, that went to this Olympics. People talking about them, oh, we, 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 we knew you when you are nothing. That doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I wonder against you people as feeling the more important than they are. So sometimes it is it's, it's not just finding them, it's also how to manage the talents both on and off the pitch, how to make the logistics work so that they don't feel see some of the some, some of the things that some of our athletes see like 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 one athlete posted on, on social media, some of the things that you expose them to in terms of logistics and how we handle them, they're not to make grown men cry. And it affects them. Some of our basketballers, some of their tweeting after the Olympics, that how can how can you expose us, seeing that we are we are, we are here to represent our nation? For them, for this one, it's, it's not it's not even about the money. It's about hey, let us feel it's a sense of pride. Mm. We are coming from a place where 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 the girls are almost second class citizens. Here we are coming back to where we feel it's our own, and we are still we are worse than where we are coming from. Mm. And that's also affects performance. So in the end. Is still us and how we do things. Okay, uh, we, we leave we leave it at that. Uh, but let me give the final word on this uh, to Yemi to say that now, like you said, talent is not the problem that has been shown because this came as a pleasant surprise after the debacle of the Olympics that we a lot of us didn't know. I, I think it was Bambo. Bambo was on the show two weeks ago. Bambo did post on one of the social media groups that we belong to together. He said that he was expecting five gold medals at this. Under 20 world champions. That's when everybody sat up and took those five and he listed it. And I think one of them missed out. So if he, if he said five and we got four, that's a fantastic <laughs> strike rate. Good, good, good. Considering what Considering. you said for the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, the talent is not the problem. No. It's obvious now that a lot of work needs to be done administratively. Yeah. The coaching, probably coaching, is not even the problem because these guys were coached by Nigerian coaches yeah. to get to where they are, even yeah. at this level. Maybe. When you get to a higher level, you need a higher level of coaches. Maybe I don't know, but what do you make of the fact that um, it still boils down to that administrative lapse? Quickly, I, th- I just think it's is is important that there's a program in place for these guys. Mm. Put that program in place, let it work out, stretch it for two to three years, 
Even if Solidarity is not going to be there by, after 2023, mm. let that program run its course and see how lock well that this, program down. Lock, it down. lock it down. And see how well lock these guys down. will perform over the next few years. And then the next all right, great to see. We wish the all the stars of the World of Our 20 Junior Championships, the Nigerians that did us proud, all their coaches, all their families, their background team with them, all the best in the future. Uh, we have identified these guys, hopefully, three years, five years, ten years down the line, they'll still be winning laurels for Nigeria and doing well for themselves as well. One thing about American scholarships is even if you don't succeed at an athlete anymore, you have a degree, you have a life you can go to. That, that, that's beautiful. Uh, but they mentioned the basketball team and the, um, the issues they had, the Nigerian Olympic team. Well, Afrobasket starts this week. And the Nigerian team is not populated by the NBA stars. So, but maybe first thing we will talk about, explain to us why the team had to change. Because I know that issues, I have an idea how it would explain to our audience why the team had to change from having eight NBA players, all professionals, to a team that is now of, made up of 12, 12 man roster, four home based players, which is good. I like it. And then eight foreign players that are non NBA players. So explain the thought process or the logistics problems that led to that. Uh, first off, um, uh, the NBA season is about to start. The players are going to training camp. Okay. And all that means is that um, uh, you are not likely to see them for a while. Uh, the NBA is strict about about that. And since this is not um, this is not a fever. It's a fever event, but it's not an international event. It's not um, a worldwide event. It's a regional event. And the training, yeah, it's a regional event. So the training camp takes precedence. So the players are back with their teams, and that is that. And I think it's the same across most of the it's the same across most of the teams in Europe. The precision the precision is starting, and so uh, the players that we know um, are not available. Um, again, it comes down to uh, it comes down to um, the the positioning of the event as it is with Africa. Mm. Uh, uh, um, when, 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 when the this event. We don't put all these things into consideration, uh, and so uh, that that is why the team had to change. As for the home base players, uh, I, I, I also think because look, let's be factual. Then we have selected twelve players from every, from anywhere. Yeah, their the, the size is that much, and I think this also underlines the fact that we have the, 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 there are so many talented Nigerian players across all sports, uh, all around, scattered all around the world, that we, we can actually make up more to three teams. And, 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 still, and still find players not playing Nigeria. But I think the NBA felt that, look, since we have, uh, since, since there was a lot of players made at the Olympics, uh, let, me, let me say TIDG. I did say before the Olympics that the higher, you, the, the higher you go as per events, the more talented players you need. We saw it on the, on the, in the qualifiers of the World uh, Basketball World Cup at the Olympics, where the player will start change at, at every level. And we said that when the when the players start changing even more, and so here yeah, this is a nod to okay, you know what? This is a regional this this is a regional regional tournament. Let's have it each for these players that are available, and let's include the Nigerian uh, uh Nigerian Nigerian quota as it were that people are clamoring for. So like like you, I'm also happy with it. I like it, um, and so that is what happened, did you? Okay, it's a great opportunity for the home-based guys as well as the players that will take part in this tournament, Jeremy. We are grouped in about... But, but quickly, the NBA issues, that means it affects all the teams in Africa. 
It affects all the teams at the tournament. Yes, it will affect all the teams at the tournament. Okay, all right. Sure. I just wanted to clarify that. So, we are in a group with Kenya, Mali, Cote d'Ivoire, um, and um, it's a group where ordinarily, if we had the full complement of our first team, we should not really get through. But with what has happened now, you know, the power rankings of these 16 teams actually put Nigeria as number seven, which means that with the makeup of the team and all of that, Nigeria is not expected to make the semi-final, uh, so to speak. But we wait and see about that. I mean, stranger things have happened. We wait and see about that. So what are your thoughts about all of this, Jim? Um, it's a bit of a worry for me, um, the composition of the team. And my worry is particularly based on the fact that I, I am asking myself, how did we come to select those four home-based players. Yes, mm. there's no problem having a home-based quota, but on what basis are those four players selected? Now, out of the four, you have two that plays for the Super Supers. Yeah, at the Benjamin and Kuko Victor. No problem. They have recent. Yeah. Some form of they, recent they were the Basketball Africa League game. Yes. The guy from Gombebus, I understand he, he actually played in Cordova at some Ibea point. Gucci, yeah. Yeah. So, my, my question, my problem is, how did we come to this, select this four? How much of an input did Mike Brown have in picking this for? Mm. Because I read somewhere that he, he was saying, you know, they're working on the four guys to make sure that they get up to speed, up to speed yeah. with the other. That for me is a bit of a worry. It's a bit of a bother. Um, in terms of our tournament experience, I think it's also lacking. Um, I expect that somehow we might have looked to add some experience, you know, in, in the ranks. I think we're lacking in, in that in that area as well. They're looking at the entire composition of the competition. If we were very, very positive about going on on a good run to at least mm. get to the semi-final, looking at everything, you you might become less optimistic. Oh, uh, uh, but yeah. the plus side probably has to be with the manager. You know, sometimes basketball is a sport that sometimes kind of negates the individualistic power of, of certain players. Mm. If you're able to build a good team, that can put together a good place, your team will do well. Yeah. I think maybe that's potentially where Mike Brown is looking. That look, if we can coach this team well, coach these boys, we'll put together a good place, the team will be fine. So I'm I'm going in with very, very little optimism mm. going into the Afro basket. Okay. Um, buddy, uh sixteen yeah. teams in the tournament. Um group D, South Sudan, Senegal, Cameroon, Uganda. Uh, group B, Guinea, Central Africa, Republic, Tunisia, Egypt. Group A, Angola, DR, Congo, Cape Verde, Rwanda. Um, who are the teams we should look out for? Um, and what are the prospects of this Nigerian team overall? First off, you, 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 like you always see across all our programs, across all platforms, basketball is a team game. Yeah. One man can't, one man can't, can't beat five. five. Yeah. And you, you, you can't you can't um, you can't defeat a team that has been together for a while who know each other. My challenge with, with this Nigerian team is that just like the team that went to the Olympics, um, they are missing for the first time. Which means that and basketball is basketball is also a game of communication. Chemistry. Yes, there's communication. Your defense breaks down. Your offense breaks down. And 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 then uh, in a game where you are meeting someone that you are slightly better than. Or who is at par with you, those misconceptions will cost you points at bo- both ends of the floor. 
And so that number seven rating, I think it's fair. If they, if, if they punch above that, they'll be overachieving. Uh, they, they have, they've not had much time to mesh as a team. Most of they, they have, a lot of them have been seeing, seeing themselves for the first time. And they have a problem of, of integrating uh, um, the, 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 the players from Nigeria with the players from abroad. Because the training techniques and training um, systems are different. And so um, I think it's, this, is, this is a point where we, low, where you, where, where we temper expectations. Let's just enjoy it. If they win this, I'll be shocked. If they get to the final, I'll be amazed. This team uh, is not a team per se. It's a collection of guys wearing, wearing, wearing the Nigerian colors. And so that is that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, going to, I'm going to put my money on the, on the usual, usual suspects. The, the traditions of this world because their team is the same team that you have seen over the years. Yeah. And so for me, they are clear feel right. Um, and there's a team that played in the qualifiers proper and are still together. Those ones, they know themselves, they have a system, they are going to be chomping at the beats because they are, they are, they know that they, they, apart from uh, the traditions and the other North Africans, it's almost an open tournament for, 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 the, for the third place or the fourth place. And so they, they, they are, they'll be coming to play. And therefore, coming for the first time after, after a long time, like the Morans, hey, we are here. They, 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 they play with no bricks. There are no expectations. Mm. They just, like they did in the crowd, they, they are just coming to enjoy themselves. And so, for me, um, mm. by the way, why are you not in Rwanda? That's just an aside. Too much, too much COVID restrictions. It's not going to be enjoyable. Ah. And then I don't want to come back to Nigeria and quarantine for one whole week. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh boy. Um, Yemi, do you see this as a free hit? What do I mean? Like, but they said no expectations. Yeah. Luckily, it doesn't have any consequential effect on qualifying for either the Olympics yes. or the World Cup. So we can go there with this team, maybe a, a, a chance to see how deep the talent pool really is, yeah. the quality really is. Let Mike Brown go there. Ogodaudu, by the way, uh, coach of the Rye River Supers, is going to be assisting yeah. in that, which, well, he knows the home base players better. So maybe that's a, a, a good move as well. So is, that, is this a free hit? Like, let, let, let them go there. I mean, not much is expected. The rating is seven. Like what they said, if they get to the final, they get to the semi-final, they'll be punching above their weight. So it's a free hit, but the positive side is that maybe we'll see how deep the talent pool really is. Well, definitely it's a free hit. Um, they can go in with no inhibitions, no expectations, go in there and enjoy themselves. It's an, it, also, it also offers Nigeria an opportunity to dig deep mm. into the pool yeah. and see, okay, how deep is the depth of this pool? And how good talking about? And how good is this pool? So, you know, all these guys playing France, playing Cyprus, playing Albania, playing the G League. We're just going to show that, yes, we have multiple talents across the world that once we've shifted the NBA layer, the Euro layer, we can also show that we have other layers still available. Also. So if we can foster a good team, good team ethics, good team cohesion, who knows? You just mm. never know how far this team might be able to go. But like I said, limited, limited expectations. But it, um, 
are there any particular players from the Nigerian team that you think we should look out for? Just the couple of players that that, 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 that have been with the, with the team before, because they're, they're now they are the lead, they're, now they are the leaders of, of the, the team. team. Okay, and so uh, they, 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 they get a lot of minutes and, and they get a lot of a, a lot of the load. For the home base players, the chance to show themselves. Um, this this is like Nigeria's fourth or fifth team from from the players that are there. Wow! I mean, if, if you're going to grade them by level, so for those uh, um, for those for those two three players. That have been part of the team before in the in the pre qualifiers of the World Cup Olympics. This is their chance to say, "Hey, you know what, guys? This, this is how we should do it. They will depend on them to, for, uh, to develop to to, uh, to to um to deliver the points and show the team and the rest of, of the squad what to do." So it's on these two two three guys that these are the two three guys um uh, that have, that I will I I I I will I will be watching looking out for. Okay. So, like we said, Yemi, it's a free hit. It's a good opportunity. From Mike Brown's perspective, though, what can he learn from this tournament, no matter what happens? This tournament will provide Mike Brown <laughs> the, 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 it's an eye-opener, okay, for him to decide how long he wants to coach <laughs> it will, it will tell him how far is he willing to go with the Nigerian team? How much of how much he's going to learn about African basketball now. The core of African yeah, basketball yeah. Uh, would also determine... It will also potentially shape his, his entire basketball... Um, or broaden his basketball yeah, horizon. broaden his basketball horizon as a coach. And knowing that, look, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm an NBA coach, but there's life. There's basketball life mm. outside the NBA. So you probably shape him as a person, as a coach, and then it also tells him that look, this is how this is how deep or otherwise the co- the team that is coaching is, and how far he would now think in the future. Do I still want to coach at, at the international level? But um, FIBA, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, hold on, baby. You know, there's um, uh, there's um, there's one thing I've heard a couple of times in basketball. When you present a team that's not so strong, and they overachieve, we hear well that. The guy has coached the heck out of that team. This is a chance for my ground to coach the heck out of another group and, okay. and, and, and prove a point. You know, for me, it's a chance. I also like the, the fact that Ogodabi is in the team uh, because, like you said, like you noted, he knows local players, uh, Nigerian, Nigerian based players. He can give the coach tips on their strengths and weaknesses, which the coach can then use to give, uh, um, uh, to give the team the boost it needs. Okay, so but you're saying the, the expectations should be realistic. You know, Nigerians can be very skating <laughs> in our critics. Yeah, Nigerians yeah. don't care about all this one we're talking about. Uh, it's the fourth or fifth team, like you said. If they should go to that tournament and not do well, and uh, it will be all kinds of grammar, oh, yes. which we that tend to have. Uh, we tend to have unrealistic expectations, um, actually. But let's narrow it down as round this up to the local basketball scene. Four guys are going from the local scene. And I, I, I dare say, well, I don't know when the local league, maybe you'll tell us that when the league is going to resume. I dare say that that gives some kind of boost, some kind of encouragement to guys playing locally. You know, whatever whatever that means, I'm not even sure <laughs> what I mean by that. But, having said that, nobody, what's going on on the local scene? Uh, when are we likely to get basketball back? 
when are things likely to move on the local scene? Because some of these guys have been uh, inactive for too long, really. The, 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 the league will actually start on the 7th of September. Oh, the really? The is starting on the 7th of September. That's brilliant. And, and Lagos people get ready. And, and the league has been tied as the, as the qualifiers for the, for, for the next basketball Africa. Ah, that will be that will be killing contested then. So, oh, oh yes. Yeah, so from from seventh and then, but there is some um, uh, in case there are still some embers of uh, resistance. Uh, the, the 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 memo that the football league is starting also stated clearly that any team that refuses to participate mm. in the league will be automatically demoted to the second division. Okay. <laughs> so as we stated, we have seen it. I just so, think it's not, it's not, we are not laying the, we are not laying the groundwork. So you have, the, you, you have your choices to make. <laughs> yes. All right. So hopefully we wish the Tigers all the best at the Afro basket. But quickly before, FIBA Africa, do you think they should have postponed this like FIBA Europe and FIBA America did? Although it's FIBA Africa and FIBA Asia. <laughs> That are holding there this year. Deji, the nations that know that one their, their sorry the, the associations that want their best players at their best at, at their at their major events they are postponed. It's as <laughs> simple as that. Yeah. That's, that's what Africa should have done. Deji, we copy a lot of things from Europe and from Europe and 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 and, and the Americas. Why why can't you copy the, uh, the, this one too? <laughs> <laughs> they are postponing. Let's, let's, they are postponing. Let's, let's also postpone. Whenever they are holding, let's also hold. So that their best players can, 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 can be at... Look, Deji, we are trying to market this event. Yeah. I'm not sure there's, there's a lot of money on it. How do we market an event? When the best players are not there. You know, exactly. All right. On the question of... But it has led us brilliantly to our <laughs> final topic for today. On the question of copying or copycatism <laughs> or copy and paste... Um, there is a worrisome development in African mm. football. Um, th- this is my view. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being, uh, how do I say it? Maybe I'm getting overboard. Maybe I'm being too difficult. But it seems to me like CAF is being taken over by FIFA. CAF is being run it's by been, FIFA. CAF is being uh, controlled by FIFA. Uh, because we hear, we heard, let, let, let me, do the banger. We had we we had this discussion on this podcast some time ago when CAF was considering or you know, talking about the CAF, um, sorry, the African Super League. Um, there was a time FIFA were trying to get CAF to move the Nations Cup from two years to four years, four years to satisfy all the play all the clubs in Europe who are complaining about losing the African players every every two years and all of that. Suddenly, in the last few months. All this talk about a two-year cycle for the World Cup uh, cropped up. And it was being discussed and all of that. But interestingly, as far as I know, CAF is the first regional body that will come hoha and say, we have put our weight behind a two-year cycle for the World Cup. Which to me is like, shoot, is an unknown goal. <laughs> Because it, it looks like they didn't really sit down and think of the implications on football on the local continent before they came up with that. And of course, the Nigerian uh, Football Federation, NFF, 
this was um, a, a press release on the 13th of August that Demolajure put out. I'm, go, I'm going to read parts of it for you uh, because some of it, maybe you guys will have a better understanding. <laughs> NFL Communications Department, the NFL board is unanimous in support of Amajupinik's position on two-year World Cup cycle. The executive committee, but when you hear unanimous support, I get worried because it, it tells me that you guys just went hook, line, and sink and followed somebody to the river. <laughs> the executive committee said I uh, has endorsed a two-year FIFA World Cup cycle and all of that. Uh, it's a table before the FIFA Congress at this meeting three months ago by FIFA President uh, Infantino. The claim is that Amadou and his team argued that 166 countries have already supported the idea out of FIFA's 211 members. I'm not sure how they got to that <laughs> figure. Um, President of CAF, uh, Patrick, Dr. Patrick Mosepe, and Lothar Mazels and Gary Lineker are among the leading support. I don't know what, how that, how Gary Lineker and Lothar Mazels affects us. Now, listen to some of these things, guys. With the World Cup being played every four years, the opportunity to have these experiences is too rare and spread over too great a time. Whole generation of players miss out. I'm nearly, I'm nearly laughing. <laughs> Sometimes because of one match potentially decided by one, I don't know what all this means. But listen to this. Um, it has been like this for almost 100 years, blah, blah, blah. We can add one more month every four years to organize the most beautiful competition in the world, blah, blah, blah. It is a fact that competing at the highest level helps raise the less developed countries, blah, blah, blah. If you don't qualify for the World Cup, how does it affect you? you don't if you play the World Cup right. every six months, it's only about five or eight countries in Africa that will continue to qualify. Yeah. So how that affects the rest of Africa, I don't understand. Um, there's one thing I'm looking for that says, <laughs> in 91 years, <laughs> eight of the, in 91 years of the World Cup, only eight countries in all have emerged winners. With a two-year cycle, the number will overtake him quickly. How? They say, they, they also claim that a two-year cycle will hasten the infrastructural development of host nations which will be more this time and also create more wealth, lead to more FIFA projects, enable more footballers to play the World Cup, enable more FIFA World Cup appearances for star players. I don't get this. And enable more winners of the coveted 24 Karal Gold Trophy. I honestly don't understand how all of this has a positive impact on African football. They now went on to say more ridiculously, in 91 years of the FIFA World Cup, only eight countries will have, in all have emerged winners. With the two-year cycle, Danaba will be overtaken quickly you How? can't prove that. How? The same, even if you do it every six months, the same eight countries are likely to will continue win. to win. Also, we had a great player like George Ware who couldn't play in the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> what has problem. that got to do? <laughs> if you hold the World Cup every month, Liberia with George Ware would never have qualified yeah. for the World Cup. So I don't get the argument at all. Then you goes on to say uh, people like uh, Anthony Pele, uh, Pele Yubois, other African, blah, blah. What has this got to do? A player of had girls' quality played in only one with two years. As far as I'm concerned, NFF, this is your release of August 13th, <laughs> meaningless. <laughs> Completely meaningless. How does this impact African football positively? If you have a two-year World Cup cycle, as far as I'm concerned, no more than 10 African countries will be rotating that, yeah. that qualification among themselves. Maybe we'll miss one. You So, what exactly are you talking about? The key thing, Yemi, that they, they don't seem to have thought about is where do, in all of this, where do you fit your, your major competition, come. African Nations Cup? Where do you fit the quality? If you have a two-year cycle for the World Cup, all the FIFA dates will likely be taken up by World Cup qualifiers. 
what happens to the African Nations Cup? Those are the things, the explanations we need. Are you shutting it down completely? How are you going to be qualifying for that tournament? Then all these things that you're talking about has no impact on the bottom line or, or the bottom of the African football pyramid. Maybe a few countries will benefit whatever you say. I don't get it. And I don't get it how it is only Africa that is towing FIFA's line, hook, line, and sinker. I think we don't have a mind of our own on no, all of this. But we don't. We don't have a mind of our own. FIFA runs calf. Exclusively. It's very clear. But you know what was funny is I, I, like, I like the way that pressures were structured. You know, itemizing, you know, the issues. One, number of teams that would qualify. Prior to 1994, Nigeria hadn't qualified. Mm. Prior to 2006, Ghana hadn't qualified. Angola hadn't qualified. Togo hadn't qualified. Mm. So it was now dependent on the individual African countries to get to that level. Yeah. Now, you saying that it's imperative for CAF to push an agenda forward for more African teams to qualify. What happened to... What about CAF ensuring that the development across board? Development across board will help more countries get to that rise level. up and get to that level. That's what we should be thinking about. Then you're going to star players. Come on, there's so many star players all over the I world. Never went to the who World never Cup. went to the World Cup. It doesn't diminish their, their star quality by any means. Liberia would never have qualified for World Cup. Let them play the qualifiers every every day. They would never have qualified. Yes, they have probably one of the greatest African players of all time in their books. But hey, it's a team sport. Ghana would have been Pelly, Tony Boa, and, and the likes. Didn't qualify. Some great Nigerian players have never been to the World yes, Cup. Yes, well. so the World Cup. This is for Luwe. We can go on and on. So I like the fact that they went. They went from you know they were trying so hard, hard to push to justify that. the fact that they endorsed this two year World Cup cycle because they couldn't come up with, as far as I'm concerned, any concrete uh, positives. You know the one that's funny. Mm. In all the things they said, they didn't go to the main point that they won that World Cup, which is money. Mm. They didn't mention the main point, which is the money, the elephant in the room. They, in all, they went from nations, players, infrastructure, which anyway, Africa is behind due to no fault of CAF, FIFA, so, or anything. But that's but your responsibility. Let me hold you there. Africa is behind on a lot of things, buddy. Maybe I'm missing something. Yep. Maybe I am um, a novice. I don't know what I'm talking about. I agree. I want to be educated. What are the benefits? To Africa. Oh, so don't, don't let me don't let me put it like that. I that, I really don't. I think we we, we agreed here uh, on one of our furious podcasts that there are no benefits to Africa. But l- let me couch the question um, this way: How do you explain that people who are supposed to be protecting Africa's interest at the global level are the ones taking steps that are potential that has the potential of effectively killing? African football's major tournament because maybe there's something I don't know. How would the Nations Cup AFCON fit into a two-year World Cup cycle? How would they play the qualifiers for it? I don't. I still don't understand that those guys are really not thinking. And at the end of the day, another major issue is that do you want to kill these players? They will have the South American players will not have. We'll have um they have their Copa America every odd year. Then there will be a World Cup every even year. And then, then, then there are no issues as time. There are no free summers for the top footballers in the world. At club side level, you are increasing all kinds of competitions. Club World Cup is becoming a 2014 tournament. 
I mean, what's going on? The, the, the mistake um, uh, all of you are doing against this World Cup thing, the mistake you are making is that, oh, before I even go to that, um, there's no controversy. CAF is not a branch office or a subsidiary of FIFA. Mm. Let's just let's just let's, let's just make that clear. That. So we can have peace. I'm not, I'm not bashing eyes against the wall. I want to know what is going on. Let's 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 just agree that FIFA opened a branch office in Africa and it is CAF and installed okay. their men in there and, and installed their men in there. Continue so like I was saying. <laughs> The mistake, the, mistake, the mistake all of us are making is thinking is thinking that um, uh, that from what you are seeing that, that the people who now run FIFA and CAF and all the other federations, the people that agree to these things that they are interested in, in, in football development. Look, like we say for all politicians, they are not. It is it is them and us. As far as they are concerned, they are different from people that are participating. Because like you, like you just brilliantly enumerated, how do you fit these players into these programs? How? I'm just thinking of the South American players, did you? They be, so they'd be flying back, back and forth every weekend. Because you play qualifiers for, for, for the World Cup, you play qualifiers for, for your own uh, local tournament, and you're playing, you're playing it like continuously. And then the clubs are there too. So how? Are they machines? So for me, I've made up my mind and I've, I've had peace. It is them and us. The players are there for them to, to, to use to mine money. And their job is to pocket those pocket those monies. Because like the Emmy said earlier, it's all about it's all about the money. There's nothing there about look, how does that do this sport? How? When you are killing uh, the even the companies that are sponsoring, the, at some point they get tired of putting out money because you are yeah. telling them that so hey, you know you know that you are telling people you know you rest for three years before you, before you ask for for one company again. Guess what? Now it's one year. <laughs> we are here this year. So just get ready to, to bring to bring my money. Deji, I think the, the sports is going to the dogs because by the time they push through the club reforms, in quotes, national team reforms, international will be watching will be will be on air every day because there will be a game going on somewhere and there'll be no there'll be no more free summers. That that is what it is, DG, and it is sad to see. Yeah, I mean, what really? Let's try and look at. I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here. Is there something which is hard, (laughs) almost impossible? I'll try. Is there something that we maybe we're missing? Maybe there's an argument for this because I'm thinking my argument here is purely. I don't care about FIFA at that level. My argument here is purely from an African perspective. How does it impact African football? And I don't, maybe it has benefits for UEFA, for FIFA, whatever. I don't know. Infantino and uh, Seferin might be able to tell us that. But where I'm sitting in Africa, where I live, where I work, where I earn my pay from this industry, how does this benefit African football? Maybe there's something I'm missing. Because I've tried very hard to look for a benefit. Because if you're playing two, two years, if it is the same countries are likely beyond Egypt, Nigeria, uh, Tunisia, maybe Algeria, Cameroon, Ghana, Cote South d'Ivoire. Africa, Cote d'Ivoire. You mentioned 10. The five places will rotate between these 10 places, between one tournament or the other. So how does that benefit the rest of the continent? When you have your own 
tournament that you have increased to 24 teams and that tournament will likely die a natural death because there is no space for it. There is no space except you are going to be now saying the five teams that qualified this World Cup, the five that qualified the previous World Cup are going to make up the tenth. You have to do something ridiculous. Because I really honestly don't see, maybe I'm missing something, I honestly don't see how AFCON will survive in this situation. You know, you know what's funny about that talk about it, to help develop African football, to help have more teams have the opportunity to qualify. We've increased the AFCON mm. from eight teams to 16. To 16. To 20. And now to, no, we went, went from eight to 12 to 16, mm. now to 24. And in that time frame, Tell me which other country outside the 54 African countries, 53 African countries, which new winner? Probably only Zambia. Only one? Only one. Zambia was the only new winner. In all the period that we've increased, okay, we probably, probably had South Africa in 96 because it just came out from the whole appetite. Mm-hmm. So two countries have won the AFCON in the period that we've won from 8 to 24, mm-hmm. two countries. So what we are saying, once we go to the two-year cycle, <clears throat> there will be two countries will join the league of uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, Ghana, Côte d'Ivoire, Tunisia, Algeria, Algeria. Egypt, mm-hmm. Morocco, South Africa. About 10 teams. And then Angola, 10 teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, Togo, 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 Togo sorry, Togo, 11 teams. Mm-hmm. So 11, oh, they are Senegal. So we got 12 teams. Mm. So 12 out of 50, 50 some African countries. So I'm saying we're going to have, you can take Angola and Togo out of there because they don't like to qualify in this situation uh-huh. right now. So those 10 teams are still the same. No, no. We can, let's be sure. There's probably two other African countries will join when we go to two years. So for the, what kind of business is that? So 14 out of 50 some countries. So how does AFCON survive? How does AFCON fit into this? It just shows you that you're dealing with a crop of people who really don't care about their own core competition. Musepe hasn't said anything about increasing sponsorship for AFCON, increasing sponsorship for the CAF club competitions, ensuring that those competitions are played well, there's proper TV money coming in, exposure for the community. He hasn't spoken about that. The big money is at FIFA, mm. and that's why their eyes are there. Very unfortunate. We are running up now, buddy. Um, when do we... You know, okay. You know, you know, before we round up, even in nature, DG, when you fish in a certain part of the sea or a river, after a while, you move to another part. Yes. So that part can... Even in farming, you rotate. You rotation of farming. Yeah. So one part can recover. When you farm another part, that's what you do. This one, and, and that was what the four-year turn of the World Cup. That's what it was doing. You give players time to recover, build up interest in the, in, in the tournament, don't it, it, the two years the, the two years tenor it will kill this will not only kill the ecosystem of football it will also kill the players that's people like, it, it will kill football across both financial it will kill it that, that's what it's going to do well i, I think everybody has said it succinctly let's <laughs> let's end it here um hopefully the powers that be a calf will come back to their senses and realize what you're doing what you're promoting is the death of african football at the international level as we know, all know it uh, African Nations Cup is your prime Baby. property. Is your prime property. And at the end of the day, if you let it die, I do not know what else you are doing there as representatives of CAF on the FIFA uh, 37-man board that everybody likes to get onto 
and like the FIFA Council Chamber, they call it. <laughs> and all of that. I'm sorry. I hope it's not a, uh, it's a chamber, FIFA Council Chamber. I hope it is not a death chamber for African football. <laughs> Let's end it there. Uh, Sports 360 pod on Instagram. That's where you can get all Sports 360 pod on Instagram. And of course, we're on all the other audio, audio channels. Uh, this is Sports 360. We'd like to thank you for joining us uh, this week. Buddy, thank you. And uh, Yemi, good to be here. Producer, thank you. Enjoy the show. We're back next week.